Hey, uh, you guys can take a seat. You guys can take a seat. Today is uh, a little bit different. Uh, before I get into all that, uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Nolan, pastor here at the church. Um, just so grateful you've joined us this Sunday morning and you came here like all sleepy on tryptophan and everything. Uh, did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Man, so thankful you've joined us today. Uh, well, hey, here's why today's going to be weird. Uh, uh, we are going to do a shorter teaching. Um, this is going to be a theology of spiritual gifts, and then we're going to take some time, literally during the service, to give you the opportunity uh, to participate in a team here at the garden and actually exercise a spiritual gift. And here's what's cool about that. Some of you guys have never served at a church ever. You've never been part of the mission. And today is the day that so many of you guys are, gonna get, are going to get involved in that. Uh, and so uh, we're actually gonna even have the kids ministry, garden kids continue to uh, serve and minister to your kids uh, as we're kind of wandering around the building. Uh, we'll explain everything in a moment, but let's dive into the Bible and and let's look at a theology of spiritual gifts. Uh, let me ask you this question. You ever feel bored with life? <laughs> Never? Perfect, me either. Um, you ever, like, you're going through your weekly routine, you go to work, you clock out of work, you go home, you put your kids to bed, and it just sort of feels like you're in this vortex, this continuum, where you're like, what, what is the point? You ever have that moment? Like, why am I doing this? Listen, that is because deep down, all of us long not just to clock in and clock out in life, we all long to be part of a bigger story, to be used for something higher, for something more beautiful. In fact, that's why so many of us are addicted at night to uh, watching Netflix. Anybody in here willing to admit that you are a Netflix binger? Okay, six of us? All right, the rest of you guys are liars. Cool, that's tight. Here's the deal. Why do, we, why do we get addicted to story? Why is it that it's like next episode's coming up and you're like, oh, we should go to bed, but we got to know what happens next. Here's why. Because you long to be part of something bigger than yourself. That we all long to be part of some grand narrative, a bigger purpose for our lives. And here's what's so good about the Bible. The Bible comes in as God's own revelation and says, that big purpose is exactly what I've called you to. That's exactly what Jesus came to call you into. Uh, you are on earth right now, right? Most of you. And you're on earth for a reason. In fact, you have been born, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. Why? Because God has a purpose for you. It's not an accident that you're here in the West Valley, like, you aren't just here on accident. God has weaved together the story of history, oriented it in such a way that you would find yourself in the West Valley, that you are here on earth in this time in history. Look, you could have been born in the, you know, the 1940s and been an adult in the 60s. I often wish that I was. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to be like a hippie and everything. I'm starting to look like one uh, slowly but surely here. But, but listen, you weren't born then. You weren't born in the 2100s. Like you were born for today. And that is because God has chosen you and your life and your specific personality for this moment, for this time in history. Like how holy and sacred is that? And so what is your great purpose? According to the Bible, it's this. It's gonna be on the screen. To advance the mission of Jesus in the West Valley today so that stories, legacies, and eternities are altered. That's why you're here. 
That's why you're here, to advance the mission of Jesus here in the West Valley, that whole, whole families would be transformed because of your contribution. Whole legacies, people who were headed in one direction will be headed the other direction because you were part of Jesus's mission. Don't you wanna be part of a story like that? Look, I wanna be part of a story like that. But here's what it requires, humility. It requires humility. In fact, I I wanna take a look at a guy named John the Baptist. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter three. Uh, John the Baptist, I'm gonna get to John three and we're gonna be in verse 30 for a sec. Uh, but I'm going to kind of explain his story from, verse, uh, from chapter 1 to chapter 3. No one embodied pursuing the mission of Jesus in their day with the humility that it requires better, I think, than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was uh, a woolly dude. He was grizzly, right? Uh, he, he, was, he had a huge beard. Uh, he was gnarly. He was wandering about the Judean wilderness and, and the southern part of Judea where the Jordan River was in the Jordan Valley, and he was eating bugs uh, because he was just living off the land. And there he was out in the wilderness attracting thousands of people to himself. And he was attracting these hundreds, these thousands of people because he was the final prophet of God. Uh, the, the Old Testament is filled with all these prophets. They come to speak on God's behalf. And you know that John was the final one. He was sent to prepare the way as the final prophet for the Messiah, Jesus. And so he's drawing these people, and his job was to till the soil of human hearts, to prepare the human hearts for the seed of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus would come and he would embed himself in people's hearts and in people's minds, and so John was getting them ready. And so his message was prepare the way of the Lord. He came to prepare people. And so this John, though his ministry had grown to thousands, hundreds of people getting baptized in the Jordan, can you see this? Even though he had this extraordinary ministry and he was this extraordinary man, um, one day Jesus shows up on the scene and John recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. And as Jesus is approaching him, he's like, this is the Lamb of God. And then Jesus asked John, he said, John, will you baptize me? And John realizing that he had been preparing the way for this Jesus. is like, there's no way I can baptize you. Like, you should baptize me. But Jesus pressed him on it. Like, this is important for the gospel to be accomplished. And so John lets him. But here's who John is. He knew that he wasn't even worthy to untie the sandals on Jesus's dirty feet, lest his sinful hand defile the sinless feet of the royal Messiah. Do you see the humility of John? This is who he was. And one day, in John chapter 3, Jesus' ministry now is soaring, and now the crowds, and now the masses are following Jesus, and they're coming to be baptized by Jesus. And one of John, the baptizer's own disciples, comes to him, and he's like, listen, Jesus, he's concerned for for John the Baptist. He said, Jesus' ministry is growing even larger than yours. And he just totally doesn't get it. And John looks at him, and look what he says in the text. He says, he, Jesus must increase, but I must, what's that word? Decrease. He says the whole point is that I would point people to Jesus. There was nothing more that John the Baptist longed for than that he would become lower still and that Jesus would be exalted. And listen to me today. You too are called to prepare the way of the Lord like John the Baptist. Do you realize that if you are a Christian? 
that John the Baptist was preparing the way for the first coming of Jesus, but you and I are anticipating and preparing the way, softening hearts along the way of Jesus' second coming when he returns. Amen? Listen, we are called to the same kind of ministry as John to prepare. Like, do you long to enlarge the fame of Jesus in our time? Do you long for that? Listen, even if you don't know who Jesus is and, and you're going to meet Jesus today, my, that's my prayer for you anyway, that's what you're called into from day one, that Jesus calls you to be a fisher of men, that he calls you to enlarge the fame of Jesus. And listen, so often we get caught up in our own agendas, don't we? Life goes on and we're all about our things, that we're building our own little kingdoms of work and money and time and hobbies and goals and family, that we forget the real reason we're actually here if we're followers of Jesus. And we are here specifically and namely for this, that people in the masses would come to know Jesus, that people would know him, that they, they would be pointed to him through the way we live our lives. But here's the reality. We are never gonna have the kind of impact that John had unless we embrace the profound humility that he served with unless we have his humility to serve. So this is why Christians serve. Look at your neighbor and say, you should serve. <laughs> well done. Well done. You're not saying you're going to serve. You're just saying that they should serve. That's how this works. <laughs> you should serve. Like, we got we to gotta say, man, I must decrease. And he must increase through me. Some of you here, uh, you're exploring Christianity. I know every week there's tons of people I meet that um, don't know Jesus. They're wondering if Christianity has something to offer them, that it, is this the truth, is it not? And uh, you may be wondering right now, like, okay, serve? You want me to serve? Like, I don't even follow Jesus. What does this have to do with me? Uh, he here's what I know about you. You hear terms like servanthood. You hear about virtues like humility selflessness, self-denial. You hear stories of these things, and you know that that's actually a beautiful virtue. You're drawn to it, aren't you? But here's the reality. You're drawn to this, but only Christianity offers a worldview where serving actually makes sense. Only Christianity can make sense out of serving. Uh, serving is not logical from an atheistic framework. Uh, in, in the atheistic narrative, it essentially says that we have crawled out of primordial soup and we are nothing more than highly evolved animals uh, chasing after our urges, driven by our desires, and so we're no more than computers made of meat. That's what an atheistic worldview says. So there's nothing in a purely naturalistic narrative that lends itself to these virtues, these higher things of self-denial, of humility, service, selflessness, for the sake of a higher mission. No, in an atheistic framework, it's empty. It's devoid of meaning. And so because of that, you should just live for yourself. You eat today, you drink today, you procreate, you get yours, because tomorrow you die. And this is all there is. So in that case... Shouldn't we just live as like barbaric animals? What's the point? Only Christianity calls us higher up into meaning and purpose. It alone says there's more to this life because there's more than this life. That the man of eternity has, came, has come through the veil of this reality and has stepped in. And he's come to say that these virtues like beauty and love and salvation, they are actually and tangibly real. They're not just figments of our own imagination and ideas that make us feel good inside. That, that feeling you get actually comes from the reality that they are, and he's come from eternity, and he said they're real, and he said they're found in him. 
Jesus. And it's because of this that we are swept up into his salvation. He has called us into the great rescue mission within this fallen age. And so we live out of a deep heart to serve him. And that is a better story to give your life to. Listen, if Christianity weren't real, there's something about that that is so deeply compelling that it's a better way to to live your life. You find yourself saying like, man, even if I don't think that this is real intellectually, don't you want it to be true? Like, isn't that a story worth giving yourself to? And so, for those of you who are new new to serving, maybe you've been a Christian a long time, or maybe you're exploring Christianity today, um, some of you may ask this question, like, okay, serve, but what do I have to offer God in the church? You're saying, like, I'm not skilled enough, like, what am I going to do? I don't have enough Bible knowledge. Uh, I've lived too sinfully or selfishly to give anything to this God. Here's what I'd say to you. Um... That God isn't looking for people who have something to offer. That Jesus died to save and equip people who have nothing to offer by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God comes in to empower you. Acts 1.8 says this, on the screen it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's what the, the Bible promises, that Jesus died for all of your self, uh, selfishness and for all of mine. That none of us have served the mission of God fully or given ourselves to Jesus humbly like John the Baptist did. Like, you ain't John the Baptist, neither am I. But that's why our Lord came to be the one who serves us. He laid his life down, and because of what he achieved, forgiving our sins and giving us new hearts and rising again, that we could live a new and fulfilling life following him, he has sent his Holy Spirit, that God the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside of you, that you would be equipped with power. Isn't that cool? I just think that's fascinating. And so um, how does this Holy Spirit of God, how does God himself empower us? Um, Well, he empowers us by giving us gifts, gifts, spiritual gifts. Um, and here, here's what I mean. So um, have you guys watched any like heist movies? You guys heist movie fanatics, Ocean's Eleven? You're not going to admit that in church. Um, but I, I love a good heist film myself. And in every epic story like that, there's always the scene, because they, they, there's the lead guy, he's the point leader, he's, they're going to break into the building, they're going to steal the important things or whatever in the treasures. Uh, but before that moment, he comes to his team at night. You get, can you see it in your mind? And in, in the shroud of darkness, in the bunker, in their like, uh, meeting place or whatever, he, he, he gathers them up and he gives them the plan. And then he starts handing out all of these gadgets that are necessary for the mission, right? There's always like the hook rope thing where they're going to hang and it's like, doom, 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 doom. And the guy's going to come down and he, so he gets that. And then you got the guy who's going to like mirror the laser or whatever, <laughs> like all these different guns and gadgets and grenades that equip them for the mission. Can you see it? This is what happens. Listen, in the same way, we have all stepped into, because the gospel has invaded, a great redemptive heist, Okay where we are called to rob the world of its hearts and minds for Jesus, to win back souls that have been taken captive in enemy territory, and we're coming in, and the gates of hell can't stand against us. And in Romans 12, that's the point where we see that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to gather the team together and to start handing out the gadgets of the kingdom, right? And each one of us has a role to play, and so he is gonna hand us specific weapons for the mission, and those weapons 
our spiritual gifts. I just think that's pretty <laughs> rad myself. And so Romans 12, we're going to uh, kind of conclude with this. Uh, in your Bibles, Romans 12, 4 through 8, it says, this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have, do not all have the same function. So we, though many members, are one body in Christ, and individually one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see what's happening here? The Holy Spirit comes and he fills you and he equips you with new abilities to do what is needed to be done for the sake of the mission of Jesus to go forward. And I just really want you to notice that there are things in here that seem supernatural, right? There are these supernatural gifts like prophecy, like, whoa, what is that? And there are natural gifts, gifts like serving and giving. There are some of you who have the gift of generosity to give money to the mission. And if that is you, come talk to me. I just love to lay hands and pray over your gift that the Lord would just... Breathe on that. No, I'm just joking. Um, a little bit joking, but um, listen. Um, if you're wondering, like, w- explain gifts. We're not gonna have time to do a deep dive on like what gifts are, but there is a PDF. And in a moment, I'm gonna have you download an app called Slack, and on that. Uh, Slack app. We have 200 of the people who are serving here at the church already, and there is a PDF literally on there, a resource that um, we wrote up so that you could have a deep dive on like what is a gift, what are the definitions of all these specific gifts, and so we'll look at that in a moment, but I want to conclude with three points. Number one is this. Uh, The context of the gifts here is the local church. Notice Paul roots the whole thing in the body of Christ. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians who go and do whatever they want out there in the wild. Like God didn't equip you with the power of the Holy Spirit and gift you with things like prophecy and helping so that you could go help the animals on the island alone, okay? Gifts are not just for you privately. They are in the context to move the mission of the local church forward. That the church itself is the plan A. We all get geeked up on like, let's go serve the city. Let's get outside the four walls. But listen, it starts right here. It starts as we build up what God is doing here. Number two, gifts are not given to us, but through us for others. Gifts are not given to us, but through us for others. So imagine on Christmas morning, I give Ollie, my oldest, my, my eight, almost nine-year-old, my son Remy's gift. I'm like, hey, can you hand this to Remy? And he sees this gift and he starts to open it and he's unwrap it and starts to play with it. And what do I say? I'd be like, hey, Ollie, what are you doing, buddy? Like, give that to Remy to open. And he's like, well, you gave it to me. It's like, yes, son, I gave it to you so that you could give it to him. And listen, in the same way, when we're given gifts, it's not about, oh man, I'm such a good guitar player. I should be on stage. I should be ripping up there. Listen, it's not about that. There's no platforms in the local church that we have to have hearts that say whatever the Lord's given me and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to move the mission of, mission of Jesus forward because it's not for me, it's for them. And then lastly, number three, pastors equip believers to be ministers. Pastors equip believers to be ministers. So uh, how many of you guys are in full-time ministry? Raise your hand. Is there anybody here? Maybe hanging out from a different church? Sometimes there are. Yeah, Today, you just entered the ministry. You are a minister. Now, you're not a paid minister, all right? But, uh, but you are a minister. And here's what's beautiful. 
Uh, so many of us think pastors are supposed to, like I'm supposed to be the one-man band. Like I preach up here and then I do set up, which I did do set up today. Uh, but like you do set up and then I'm working at the bookstore and I'm like filming myself from the camera over there and I'm like playing the worship band and there's some guys that like play and, and teach. I just think it's the funniest thing in the world. You know, take off the guitar and do that. It's cool if you got that in you. You don't want me to do that. We would shrink the church very fast. Um, like that's a bad idea and that's not God's plan. This is what God does. In Ephesians 4, it tells us that God has given the church leaders, people like our ministry team and our advisors, for the sake of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so instead of the model of pastor does everything, what it is is that the pastor is kind of the coach. The leaders are the coaches who stand off to the side and they rally up the, the, the team and they say, hey, stay on target. This is the strategy. Play according to the playbook. Now get out there and go crush the enemy. And then the team, that's all of you, runs out off the field. Listen, do not call me in the middle of the night and say, my neighbor, like they're going through a really hard time. It's like 12 p.m. You're like, they need to be evangelized. Can you come to my house? You know what I'm going to do if you do that? I'm going to say, the Lord has called you to evangelism. You have clearly been given opportunities where the Holy Spirit wants to empower you with the gift of evangelism. And that I am going to go back to bed. This is what it looks like to be the local church you know what happens when all of us play a role? Uh, look at this picture, these pictures on the screen. Literally last week, 15 people got baptized. It's coming up eventually, I promise. <laughs> you don't have a picture? Hey, picture it in your minds, you guys. <laughs> Can you do that with me? How many of you guys were there as we stood around the baptismal? and saw soul after soul get into the waters of baptism. As people were coming up and the water was glistening, you know, we were participating in what John the Baptist and Jesus were doing 2,000 years ago. And the angels themselves were crying out, screaming God's praise as people moved from darkness to light. How good is our God? <laughs> Isn't he good? You were chosen for this hour. You're not, it's not a mistake. And so what I, what I want us to do is join teams. Um, I'm going to put on the screen the Slack app. You guys got that one? <laughs> All right, I got you guys a Slack app. There it is. Um, what I'm going to have you do is you're going to download this app. So take out your phones. Yes, you're allowed, even in church. Take out your phone. I want you to take a picture of the QR code, and provided it works, uh, you'll be able to download this app. And you're going to see the PDF on there in the channel called General. Um, you're going to work through that, get, get on there, we'll, we'll get you guys going. And there's a whole community online where we encourage one another, we pray for people in our city, it's awesome. Um, and as uh, you guys are doing that, uh, I'll give you a minute, and then Justin Doyle's going to come up and kind of take it from there. Um, <clears throat> when you download that app, um, it is going to allow you to serve on a team. And in a moment, we're just going to uh, end service, and you're going to walk out, and you're going to join various teams. We'll put a map up to see the teams. You, you're going to explore. Feel free to walk around and check out all different teams um, to figure out where God would have you serve. Uh, you're not locked into the first one. You check out. They're going to be out in the lobby. Uh, Justin will walk you through that. Is Justin Doyle in the house? Do you exist, Justin? Where's, where's that big mustache? Yeah, let's give it up for Justin. <laughs> Sorry, I was waiting on something else. I don't know what I was doing back there. 
Um, cool. So hopefully, uh, like Nolan said, you're downloading uh, the Slack app here. Again, like he mentioned, we put so much stuff on there. It is obviously a community of our whole church, and we're on there all together. It's encouraging. But then every team also has uh, their avenue for communication on Slack. So once you do get onto a team, you start serving. Uh, Slack is really where we do all of our communication uh, for the church when it comes to serving teams. So it's important that you're on there and so you can get those communications and you can stay in touch with your team lead and whatever is going on uh, on your teams. Um, as you're doing that, one thing we wanted to touch on before we head out into the lobby is what are the teams we have here at the Garden for you uh, to serve on and be a part of? And like Nolan mentioned, man, we all have different gifts and talents that God has blessed us with that he wants us to use uh, here in the church, uh, to serve the church, to serve our community. Uh, but some of us might not know exactly what that looks like. So on the screen as well is going to be a list of all the teams that we have here uh, at the Garden, and it's going to be two lists that come up. And I'm not going to go through every single one of these. I do want to go through a few here in just a minute where we do have more of a need uh, here at the church. But um, like you can see up there, some of the teams we have are production, uh, build-in, build-out, Garden Kids, bookstore, Photo and video, connect team, welcome team, prayer team, hospitality team, security, worship, care. And then we also have a trailer that we have to tow to and from every single time we set up here at the church. So there's a lot of different areas that you can serve in. And really, it's, it's on you to kind of decide what, where do you want to be at. Uh, maybe for you, you're, you don't want to be up in front, right? You don't want to be up here leading worship, or maybe you don't want to be in kids leading discussion, uh, but you have the gift of organizing, you have the gift of environments and decorating, and you have the gift of muscles and you can like lift stuff, right? Like that's something you want to use. We have the areas for you uh, to do that with. So a few areas that we actually need a ton of help in uh, are areas that we need more people. Uh, there's five of them. The first one is production. Okay, so this is really behind the scenes. If you were to look back right here, there's a booth where we have all of our production people. We have Tommy back here. He's doing all of our recording and our live stuff. Would you give it up for them really quick for what they do here at the church? Uh, they do an amazing job, and without that, uh, you wouldn't even hear Nolan up here. So it's, you know, they're, they're giving a lot of their time to make sure this runs efficiently. And maybe for you, you have some type of background in technology, uh, working computers, cameras, you're good with sound, uh, you're good at clicking a button slides like we need that here at the church as well. So if that's for you and you want to be more behind the scenes, that's a great area to get plugged into. Uh, the next area is the build in and build out team. Uh, so like I've mentioned up here on stage multiple times over the past couple months, uh, this church is obviously set up teardown. Every weekend we come early and we set up everything we do here. And then after service is over, we have to tear everything down and be out by a certain time. Uh, that takes a lot of hands. It takes a lot of movement. It takes a lot of organizing and really being efficient and using the time that we have wisely to get everything set up and torn down. So again, that's a lot more of a behind the scenes role. We show up really early, 6 a.m. in the morning to get everything set up. And then after the final service, we tear down and we get out of here as soon as we can as well. But that's another great spot that if you're looking to get involved, uh, it's a lot more just manual labor and, and getting in and getting out. Um, that's a team that I serve on currently and I, I enjoy it. And there's a lot of great people on that team. And if that's some, somewhere you want to get plugged into, you can find myself, Ryan Short. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. Another area, like I mentioned, garden kids, right? How many of you guys have your kids and kids ministry here? There's a lot of us, right? We have a ton of kids in our kids ministry. It's blowing up over there. Uh, we need volunteers in that area, people who want to disciple the next generation, lift up the next generation. That's highly relational, right? It's getting involved with those kids. I don't do that because I can't. <laughs> I would struggle in there with all those little kids, right? So if that's you and you have a heart for that, you have patience, that's something you want to do. Again, that's a lot more, not really behind the scenes. You're up front and you're, you're hanging out with families and 
and you're hanging out with kids and you're discipling them, uh, we would love to have uh, you in those rooms as well. You can talk to Chelsea about that here in just a little bit. Uh, two other areas, bookstore and security, okay? Bookstore, we have that out here in the lobby. You see it every single week. We have shirts, we have books, Bibles, coffee mugs. That's an area Jenny Barbush is helping with that. We'd love to have help out there. And then lastly, security. Uh, it's importance that we have here at the church is keeping this place safe. Uh, we really want to make sure for our kids, for all of you guys that are in here, we want to make sure this is a safe environment that you can come to, you can worship together and not have to worry about that. So we have a security team here every single weekend. You've probably seen them in the lobby. Uh, they're really discreet. They try to just kind of hang out. There's some in here. We have them over in our kids' building as well. But again, that's an area that we want to have as a high priority. We want it to be safe. We want to make sure that you're safe, your kids are safe. So if you have experience in security, maybe your law enforcement, some type of public safety, and that's an area that you feel uh, you can offer some gifts and talents. Maybe you're in the medical field. Uh, we would love to have uh, you as well as a part of that team to make sure this campus when we're here on the weekends is, is safe. Uh, we'd love to have you there. And, and Ken is the one who runs that team. So you can always talk to him. Uh, but like Nolan mentioned, uh, those are all the different teams. There's going to be a map that comes up on the screen. Uh, here, and this is as you walk out of this lobby or out of this auditorium, this is kind of how it's going to be, courtyards on the left, and then the lobby, and then the welcome team will be over on the right. There's going to be people at each one of those spots, so if you are a team lead or you've been selected by a team lead to go to one of those spots, you can go ahead and get up and head out to one of those spots now, uh, but for the rest of us, uh, as we release and dismiss out of here, I'm going to encourage you to go and, and hang out at some of these teams, and maybe for you, uh, you're thinking, I don't know what it looks like for me to serve yet. Like, I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't really know if I'm ready to serve. Like, I just started coming here. I would encourage you still to go out and talk to people, to meet and be in community, right, to talk to those people that are out in the lobby or in the courtyard. Uh, I know for many of us, when we did that survey, community was a number one thing that, we, that we're missing, that we want in our life, that we want to be involved. We want to be around other believers and discipling each other. Yes, groups ministry is a place we do that, but also in serving teams is a great place to build community and to build relationships and to grow with each other as we grow closer to Christ. So if that is you, I would encourage you, just go out and talk to people. Maybe you don't know what team you want to be on yet, but I encourage you to hang out and just talk with others and get to know uh, each other. I don't know if Nolan mentioned this or not. Kids ministry, your kids are obviously in there currently, and we still have another 20 minutes until our service is over. So you don't have to go get your kids right now. This is an opportunity for you to just hang out, to build community, to look at some of these serving teams, and to get plugged in, right? We want you to be a part of this church serving in this uh, capacity. I love what Nolan said as I wrap up here and then dismiss us when he talks about, man, you were really made for this. Uh, you were born at a specific time for a specific purpose around this, a certain amount of people. Uh, there's another pastor. I love the way he says it. He says, you were made for the day, and the day it was made for you. So wherever you're at, whatever season you're in, the people you're around, you being here at the garden is a purpose. You were made for it. You have something to offer. There's no one here that's less important, right? We all have something to offer here at the church to serve God's people. He will use us for his kingdom, and that's a really cool thing that we get to be a part of. So I would encourage you, get out there, find a team, talk to others, build community, and we'd love to see you serving here at the Garden. So I'm going to dismiss you guys. You can head out through those doors in the back, lobby, courtyard, over on the right, and we'll see you guys out there.